Good evening, and welcome to the final installment in my three-part series with my dear friend Amy Couch. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, in the first couple episodes, we talked about Amy, who um, grew up in rural Arkansas um, in a very conservative religious family. Um, and in her late teenage to early 20s, she came out to her parents as a lesbian. Uh, subsequently, um, she broke up with a girlfriend. I'm making this super short. She broke up with a girlfriend, went back into the closet, so to speak, got married, had two children, um, both of which had some intellectual and in one case, physical, physical, severe physical and intellectual disabilities. Um, on the second episode, we talked quite a bit about Ian, Amy's uh, oldest son, um, who is, um, among other things, on the um, on a spectrum of um, what some might call autism, but he has uh, special needs in many ways. And Amy's decision to move him to a group residential home um, and how tough that was for her. Um, so uh, we will pick up where we left off a little bit from where we left off and enjoy the final episode. And once again, thank you, Amy. It's, it's difficult for me to get my thoughts together yeah. on... Because I have people in my own family who have any number of challenges. Um, cousins, um, etc. Um, and <laughs> it's an interesting thing to meet someone like you who, you know, looking at you <laughs> outside, outside in. Oh, there's a white woman with blonde hair. And, you know, she's out here with the pumpkin spice latte. Whatever the Don't things judge. are. Don't <laughs> judge. No. <laughs> you know, and, and who knows what you are actually going through, right? So um, I, I want to touch on a number of things without going too far, too far or too long into it. But they, these are important things because I'm not only fascinated, but I'm learning a lot, and I want my listeners to learn a lot. Um, talk about, um, one, the decision to change him to, not uh, not change him, but move him to residential, mm -hmm. right? Talk to us a little bit, and, and what that means. Mm -hmm. um, talk to us a bit about um, finding the right kind of facility and or school for him, mm -hmm. Right. Um, talk to us about some of the challenges that you have faced and continue to face. Mm -hmm. But before all of that, I want you just, I have not met him. I've not had the pleasure of meeting him. I just want you to tell me, tell us, who is Ian? I would be happy to. Um, he's, so he has super curly, blondish red hair, big blue eyes, uh, super thin, um, He's tall? No, he's very small. So mm. he's maybe 5'2". Oh, wow. Um, okay. He's pretty little. Um, he's 17, 16? 17. 17. He has a great sense of humor. Um, his humor is very uh, weird, but he definitely has it. Um, he loves to be outside. So, so he's nonverbal, but he laughs. Oh, yeah. And he plays jokes, and he teases, <laughs> and it's um, he's super funny. Um like, the first time he learned how to say no with his iPad, we were at Walmart, and we were getting things for him, and he's pushing the cart, and I'm like, okay, it's we've gotten, you know, I don't know, deodorant, now we need to go get 
shampoo. And he hit no on his iPad. And then he started laughing and jumping up and down. And then he hit no again and laughed and laughed. Like this was the most hysterical thing because now I can say no. And what are you going to do, right? It was this <laughs> perfect, like quintessential teenager moment. Um, so he, you know, those, he finds things uh, You funny. were just a woman. Just... And I'm la- I, t- I videotaped it because I was like, oh my God, he's actually, this is, this is amazing. Um, he loves nature. He loves trees. He loves leaves. He loves water. He loves horses. We hike every weekend. Um, he, his favorite food in the whole world are chocolate chip cookies. He can eat more cookies than any person I have ever seen. Does he have a big appetite? He eats, yeah, every time, every weekend when we go to McDonald's, he eats a dozen of those big oh ass gosh. chocolate chip cookies. A and dozen? Then, and then he eats 20 chicken nuggets, Ugh. right? And he weighs and like he 110 pounds. No, <laughs> he would eat two dozen of those cookies oh if I let him. God. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he loves, yeah, he's, <laughs> um, he's super um, uh, affectionate with me. Um, and he, I'm probably his favorite person. Um, he definitely has teachers that he likes a lot. Um, and that he has good relationships with. But is he affectionate with his brother? Mm, he will be, mm. but not spontaneously. Okay. So he will take my hand. Um, he will give me a kiss. He will hug me spontaneously without me asking for that. Not so much with Ian. Mm. Um, he no, may, no. He, with or the, with Quinn. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, he loves dogs. He loves animals. I mean, he's just a sweet. He's very laid back. He loves music. Um, his favorite movie is Winnie the Pooh, and he watches it every weekend. Listen, who doesn't love Winnie the I Pooh? I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's a classic, um, a classicist because he likes the 1970 version, Winnie yeah. the real one. Yes, right? not this whatever no. the animated nonsense, no, 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 computer no. generated, right? right? No, no, no. He likes the real one. So, um, what was I going to say? Um, Crap, I forgot what I was going to say. Keep going. Okay, so so when he was little, he was very different from this. But now that he's older and he's learned things um, and he's able to communicate, he has he's changed tremendously. And you can actually see much more of who he is. I know what it was. Two questions. First question is, how old is he intellectually slash emotionally? And the second question is, it's not really a question, but a statement of what a wonderful journey it must have been to get to know this person mm. in such a different way. Right. Like, you know, how you get to know people, like I'm getting to know you and our listeners are getting to know you tonight. We're doing this through audio, through podcast, verbally. And what a, what a lovely, odd, mm. sometimes frustrating, but what ultimately fulfilling journey that must have been to, like, get to know this wonderful human being who loves right. Winnie the Pooh. I, I love right. that. <laughs> no, it's um, because everything that he, these moments where you connect and you get a laugh, right? Like, you, you, he plays a joke or you play a joke and you connect. It's so rare. Mm. That when it happens, it's, it's like, like <gasps> I right, right. It, it's like it you, sustains you, you until this, the next because one. Because the older he's gotten, his affect has gotten very flat. I mean, he's a teenager, right? Sure, so, yeah, whatever. Yeah, teenager, he's like, right. Yeah. Whereas he was little, he was very smiley, and now he's yeah. kind of flat. But yeah. when you get that, when his face breaks into that huge smile, or he starts laughing, and it's just like, 
it's like this the clouds part and the sun comes out it's amazing and you really value the smallest communications the smallest connections um you know Ian will stop in the middle of the woods and look up and watch the leaves move at the top of the canopy in the wind. How many people do that? And so that's, I'm not going to get off topic. I promise. <laughs> I promise. But I wonder if um, having Ian or being with Ian, and I, I almost wish we all had an Ian mm. to make us more appreciative and make us like pause and like look at somebody. If I'm look like I'm looking at you right now, and I'm like, wow, just the way that the the track lights in my house are hitting your hair, like you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it, it, like it's a yes. it's a thing that we really need to pause and pay attention right. to. And Ian just has that gift, and what a lovely gift it is. Right. Just to be like, look at that, like look at yeah. those. <laughs> and I think a lot of people with autism do that because they're focused. They don't the research that I've read shows that they don't have the filter that we do mm. to so to determine what they should focus on in a room, right? So, you know, we're looking, we're in your living room and there are hundreds yeah. of different things that I could look at. Any right? number of things, right? right? Yeah. So I could be focused on the lights behind you or I could be focused on the clock or or something like that. But I know in my brain I'm supposed to be focusing on you. Right. But someone with autism doesn't know that necessarily. And I, you know, and even though Ian has a genetic, this genetic disorder, he's still classified as, and he presents very much as someone with autism. So they see what they want to see. They focus on what gets their attention, right? So it might be a tiny leaf moving. It might be um, the way the water is dripping into a pond where we wouldn't see that. Right? Right. We're looking at the trail, we're looking at the bridge, we're looking at the whatever. destination. Right. Or talking to someone and not seeing anything. But they're focusing on these tiny things that are in the peripheral that often we miss. One last thing before we move on to the other topics is what is the term? Um, there are many things that people say. They, people say challenged, people say disabled, some people say, you know, differently abled. Is there some, like, right term? I mean, and the, then, te the technical term right now is intellectual disability. Okay. Um, so that's the term. I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. Right. So and the, my listeners are saying the right, right. thing. Right. So that's what, um, for example, the school system will say. Um, the abbreviation would be ID. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it just depends. It depends on the person and what their preference is. Um, some people prefer, um, you know, abled. Mm -hmm. um, some people prefer special needs. I think it just Challenged, depends. Challenged, all right. sorts of things. Right? Um, definitely not retarded. Uh, clearly right no, or I can't even or, believe you said that well, in my house <laughs> or disabled yeah. um, uh, but you know all of those words I mean idiot came from that it mm. used to be idiot mm -hmm. so you know um, any word that those words are, are not used even just like disabled handicapped things mm. like that and I had a whole conversation on one of my previous podcasts about um, the word handicapped we still say Park in the handicapped spot. Right. Right? That's still a thing. And there's still this idea of a blue sign with a man in a wheelchair as if that's like the end-all be-all of somebody who has a disability. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a whole conversation. I, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. That's why I wanted right. to, like, focus in on that. So. Right. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, I think you had asked about the school 
being yes. in a residential school. So, so moving into residential. Right. Tell so us about Ian that. was one of the youngest people in the state of Maryland to be put in residential school setting. Um, it was not really my choice, but things had gotten very difficult at home. Um, he was 40 pounds and needed three grown men to restrain him. Mm. Um, this is, you were still married or not still married? Mm-hmm. We're okay. still married. Um, and it just, we had to remove the children from the home, you know, like I had to take Quinn out of the house. I mean, it was just, it was getting ridiculous. We weren't sleeping. Um, I don't think Ian was any safer than we were because everybody was just at that last place. Um, but what really pushes over the edge is that the school programs that take care of kids like Ian, they have to meet a certain requirement by the state to meet their educational needs. And so the schools, the day schools in um, the state all said they could not meet his needs. So they wouldn't take him. So we were sort of at a crossroads. And he was hospitalized um, at Kennedy Krieger in Baltimore at the neurobehavioral unit, which is a very special unit for kids with very aggressive behaviors and intellectual disabilities. He was there for a year from seven to eight years old. Um, And then from that point... He was moved into residential, a residential school setting, which was what, really what difficult is a for me. residential school setting? So he lives there all the time. So he has class, he has school during the day, and then he lives in a group home, residential group home with staff um, on during the other parts of the day. So what does that, how does that, does he have his own room? Um, sometimes, sometimes they share a room. It depends on the facility. Um, and he, there's nobody in the world like Ian. So how, how does that so, you know, they're, right, so they're just putting them with like, you know, similar aged, like abilityed students. Um, wow. So, you know, they're and you've been there. Yes. Um, the first school was um, was very problematic. We have not had a really great success rate with this. but And this um, is in Baltimore. No, the first school was in Delaware. Oh, wow. Okay. So Kennedy Krieger was in was in Baltimore. Um, and you live in Maryland. So to have no your child schools, in Delaware. There were no schools in Maryland that would take him. Wow. So and we. Why is that? Um, well, they basically said they couldn't meet his needs, which, which, in layman's terms, means they didn't have the staffing to support his behavioral needs. Most likely, um, you know, he so was pretty aggressive. Um, he has a lot of health issues. Um, and he requires a 24-hour staff person, which means somebody has to be awake overnight with him because mm. of his seizure disorder, mm. which is expensive and hard to staff. Who wants to sit awake in a dark room for eight hours? A lot of times, and uh, um, I, I want to make sure that I am doing this proper justice, right? A lot of times, people who are able, to, like myself, assume that people who are differently abled, right, or mm-hmm. intellectually disabled with ID, right, um, or have, is it PD? Like, is it physically disabled? I don't you? know. I, yeah. Yeah. But people who have, Maybe like, challenged. challenges, right, um, are either being taken care of by the state. That's a phrase, right? Taken care of by the state. And, of course, the state just is the most lovely place, and it does right. all the right things, and it does, you know... There's that. Or that it is they are being taken care of privately by people who have money. Right. Right. And so that even those 
neither of those two, those two things is so. Well, right? it kind of is. I mean, the school system is the county and the state. Right. Right. Um, a lot of children with si- significant uh, intellectual disabilities are given to the state by their families. Uh. So they're wards of the state. Right. So, you know, a lot of people think institutions were done away with, but they haven't been. They're still there. And a lot of these kids have no family looking out for them. So they have nobody who comes at Christmas. They have no Christmas presents, birthday presents. Nobody cares except for people who are paid to take care of them. And the people, the quality of people who are paid to take care of them is not great. And sometimes they're homeless. Let me just say that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was homeless. And I talked about this on a previous podcast. I saw people on the street while I was homeless who clearly had some type of challenge. And it's a huge, huge problem. I'm not getting it off topic. That's a whole nother podcast. Keep going. Right. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so he went into a residential facility and, you know, they promised you all these great things and they say all these right things. Um, But um, the percentage of kids who are abused and neglected, well, just to say abused because the neglected is 100%, abused in residential facilities for boys is 98% and for girls is 99%. Okay. And that includes sexual abuse. Okay, so I want to (laughs) make, if there are two things, I mean, there are many things, but I I want you to say that as clearly and not loud. I don't want you to shout it. But I want people, everybody on this podcast, I'm, if I have to edit this part, I need to edit it. I want you to say that again because that is an important point and it needs to be heard by every single person. So for kids who have significant disabilities, especially nonverbal children, right, and even nonverbal adults, the percentage of individuals that are abused, including sexual abuse, Boys is 98% and girls is 99%. And that is nationwide or yeah. in the state of Maryland? Nationwide. Nationwide. Because what better victim could you pick than one that can't speak and has behavior problems? Because nobody can tell, you know, typically with a child who's been sexually assaulted, let's say, or abused, they're going to begin to act out, right? There are certain behavioral clues that that counselors and adults can see that even if the child hasn't spoken to the molestation or abuse, you start to notice something's off. But with a child who already has abnormal behavior, who's aggressive, who throws tantrums, who hurts themselves, how will you know that anything is happening to them? Because those behaviors that you would typically look for as indicators are happening all the time. So Ian was in a residential place. Yes. So He was abused and neglected. Walk us through what happened to Ian. So the school that he was in... um, And this happened more than once. Yes, it's happened in both settings. We've been in two residential facilities so far. The first one, he was there for about four years. um, And the... How often did you see him? Every week. Hmm. Every weekend. Um, But this particular school um, wouldn't allow parents in the group home. So Okay. <laughs> so unless, if Ian was sick, for example, they would move all the other people who live there out and let me come in. But they wouldn't let me come in with, but with everyone who always lives there. And I talked to them very specifically about this and, and argued with them. And they basically said, 
if you don't want this, then you can take him somewhere else. But these wow. are our rules. Wow. And this is tell, tell us the name of the facility. It's actually being sued right now by the state of Maryland. It's called AdvoServe, and it's in Bear, Delaware. Okay. Um, it has a long history of abuse and neglect, which we were not told by the county before he was yeah, the county. So, so when you have a child in a school in the school system, then the county gives you recommendations for placement that they have contracts with, right? So they have a contract with different schools, and they will pay those schools to take care of your child, right? So they gave us a list of schools to look at, and they sent Ian's packet to those schools for them to look at to determine if they would take him or not. So this was one of those schools. And Ian had been in the hospital unit for a year and had a very detailed... um, uh, had a very detailed behavior plan that he had to, that we wanted them to follow. And a lot of the schools wouldn't follow it. They said, well, we're going to do our own behavior plan. And I had a problem with that because we had just spent a year <laughs> developing this one. And I felt like it was a really good one. So this school, AdvoServe, was the only one that said, we'll follow it and we'll go and train with the staff at Kennedy Krieger. And they said all the right things and it sounded great. The one caveat was that I couldn't come into Ian's home. And I felt pretty, I didn't like that, but. What was he like when you were not around? Like, do you, I mean, he must have missed you. Well, I mean, I think so, right? Right, but I mean, but he doesn't verbalize it and yeah. No, I mean, he definitely had behavioral Tantrums issues, but he had those anyway, right? Well, so who's to know? But the problem with not being able to be in the group home is you can't tell, you never see what it's like when nobody's looking right right there's no cameras there's no and the reports that they give you are whatever they make things were happening over the years he broke his heel right jesus but he's supposed to have a one-to-one with him all the time so how did he break a bone what's a one-to-one uh one-to-one is an adult um staff person who um is their support person with them all the time. Okay. Right? So if you have 24-hour support, that means you have a, an awake adult with you all the time. Making sure that you're safe, following your behavior plan, supporting you, helping you with whatever you need help with. Let me just make sure I say this right. Ian is 5'2". He's however, however much he weighs at the time. Right, 100. Well, at this point, he was little. He was 8. Right. So, so 40 pounds, 50 40, pounds. 40, right. 50 pounds. Right. And at the time, before he went into the home... Or the, the residential place. Right. It took three grown men to restrain him. Yeah. I, that's <laughs> important. I watched That's it. why he needed a one-to-one. Yeah. Yes. Right. Or among one of the reasons. Right. Go ahead. Yes. So, but things started to happen. You know, broken heel. He apparently, they said he fell funny off of a mini tramp. He had a seizure um, on the toilet and broke his front teeth because he hit the floor. Now, if you have an adult standing in front of you while you're sitting on the toilet and you're having a seizure, you shouldn't fall and hit your face on the floor, right? But that happened. A a broken finger that he must have done to himself while he was sleeping. Um, So, you know, all of these things weren't adding up, and we were keeping a list, and... But I couldn't, um, we couldn't prove anything. And we would have meetings and we would ask the staff and we would do all the things you're, you know, a good parent would do. But we couldn't get any traction. And you also don't have a lot of options. So, you know, we didn't want to move him, which is also very difficult for him, 
you know, to a place that would be worse. So we were trying to figure it out. And finally, um, one of his teachers, who actually I'm still friends with at this point, texted me a photograph of a bruise that went from the top of his shoulder to his waist. So I don't want to get off topic, but okay. you talked about him being on the toilet, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you, in my pre-work that Amy sent me, you say um, here, the placement was an emergency placement due to abuse. That's after that we're... Right. Oh, so this is after this. No, what I'm talking about is the school before that happened. Oh, okay. So the new school knew the circumstances. In the third month of being at the new school, Ian was punched in the stomach by a staff person while he was sitting naked on the toilet before a shower. Another staff person witnessed this, so we were able to press charges. Ian can't speak, so he can't tell us when these things happen. And right. so, is this in the same school? No, different school. Different? This, this was a school that was supposed to be better. Wow. Right? Okay. Didn't want so, to interrupt, but no, I No, that's okay. So, yeah. I mean, that's, and it, I think it's an important thing because only when, and in our history, only when a staff person has come to me and said, I, I have to tell you what's happening, do we know, right? So, we didn't, we couldn't move him from the abusive, the first abusive school until we finally had a teacher who, who would not testify, by the way. Right. Right? Because she didn't want to lose her job. But she did text me what happened and sent me photographs. So that's a, that's a, so here's the thing, right? <laughs> I know, I know I say that all the time <laughs> and it's the name of the podcast, but no, here, here's the thing. The thing is that isn't like that's a lesson in see something, say something. Yeah. Like, yo, it, look. I get you don't want to testify, whatever it is, but like, tell somebody, right. get your ass up. Take a picture, send a text, because you would have been, it might have been another five years before some good person, some good Samaritans, and it's not even good Samaritans, it's just common sense. Like, tell somebody, tell the parent, hey, this is what's happening. Go ahead. So we had a huge list of things. And, you know, again, I would see a bruise, I would see a mark, I would ask questions. There was always some explanation. Or self-harm, and the assumption of self-harm, right. Right. So, um, long story short, we finally got the evidence we needed. I talked to the county, the school system, and they set up an emergency move for him. And he ended up at the school where he is now. And, and that's so where that happened. So three months in. He was in Delaware. In. That was in Delaware, Bear, Delaware. Right. right? And, so and now, now he's, he's on the Eastern Shore. Eastern Shore. Okay. Right. And so they, you know, I remember going and telling them what was going on and that we were trying to get him into a safe place and it all looked lovely and they were great. And then two or three months in, I get a phone call, and um, the, they told me basically what, what you just said, that um, the staff person was getting him ready for the shower, and he, I don't, I don't think he had been in the shower yet, but she sat him on the toilet, and he was naked, and then another staff person was walking into the bathroom to ask the first staff person a question, and saw her race into the stall, and so the, the observing staff person thought something had happened to Ian, right? So she went over to look to see if she could help, right, as the first staff person, a woman, was punching him. A woman? A woman was punching him in the stomach. Two things. Three things. Four things. Like, <laughs> I, 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 like I have so many questions. It's a terrible. First of all... And this is a rhetorical question. What kind of a rat bastard, like, goes to punch somebody on the toilet who's naked? naked? Period. 
Like, right. I don't care if like you're challenged or not. Like, don't punch me while I'm naked on the toilet. Like, what kind of a person are you? That's number one. Number two, and this is an actual question. Since Ian has um, um, aggressive tendencies, right? Right. Was the story that, oh, he hit me first. That's, no. That's number right. two. No. That's right? right. Number three is, even if he did hit you first, madam... Like, right. how dare you? You're, you're <laughs> like, an adult and you're, you're paid to do this work. And you're a professional. Right. Like, so what right. was the story? No, <laughs> and we checked that because, so the woman was, and she was fired and she did serve jail time. Luckily, we were able to prosecute. Um, but um, she was his overnight staff. So um, the overnight staff have to keep a log of what happened and, you know, if, if the child was up and whatever. And there's no cameras. Not in bedrooms and bathrooms. Because okay. those are private areas, right, right. right? So I checked the log because I thought, well, you know, if it was a really terrible night and he was super aggressive, maybe she just crossed that line. You know, it does happen. It's hard work. Not that that justifies it, but at least it would give me an explanation as to why this happened. But in the log, she wrote that he slept all night through. Mm, not slept all night. Slept all night, which is unusual. Um, and that he woke up and was did had no behaviors prior to the incident. And she wrote all that down. So. So he, you know, so, and she couldn't, you know, the staff person saw he was doing nothing when mm. it happened. So there really wasn't much that she could say um, because we had a witness. So question for you. Two questions, and I, I, I want to make sure that we keep going, but, um, and maybe I'll. Edit, edit, edit. Maybe I'll edit this to the part of it, uh, to the end of it. Um, one of the questions that some people ask um, of people who, uh, of parents who have developmentally disabled, you know, uh, differently challenged, whatever you want to call it. Not whatever you want to call it, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Children is, um, because we're friends, it's hard for me to say this. Just say it. Right. How dare you leave your child in a residential place? Believe me, I say it to right? myself all the time. How dare you? Like, why don't you, like, get your ass home so, and stay, take care so, of your child, lady? So, so let me explain to you. <laughs> and and I, 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 uh, that, no, but mm. I, seriously, that is something that I say to myself all the time. Still, to this day. Mm. But, and you may need to edit this out. We'll see. So here's an example of... <laughs> The things that were happening prior to and had been happening for years before he went into residential. And part of it was not my choice in that we had to give him an education. We had to get him the therapy. He ate his own feces. Mm. He smeared it on the walls. He ran away. Mm. He peed on us. Mm. He bit us. He bit his brother. He bit my dog. Mm. My ex-husband this is a, has... How old is he at this point? Or how many years? Between four and eight. Wow. My husband has scars all over his shoulders. Um, I was terrified of my child. Um, if he went in for an attack... Like, I had to cut all my hair off and ended up having, like, a crew cut because he would take his hands and wrap them in my hair and then pull my face in and bite my face. And this is your child? Mm-hmm. This is the, the, the child that you raised. It's the love and that of my life. Love. Right. He's my favorite person on the whole planet. Right. And always has been. But it got to the point where I was worried that I was going to hurt him. 
because I had had no sleep for six years, had been being abused by my child for all of that time, was trying to raise them both, was going to the hospital all the time, was seeing all these specialists. Um, you get to a point where you're going to break, right? Yeah. So it, there was a fear factor there that you don't want to hurt your child. Um, the school wouldn't take him. The bus wouldn't drive him. He would throw up and throw it at you mm. on, on on purpose. Like he could make himself throw up and then throw it at you. Wow. So the bus driver refused to drive him. I mean, it was just to the point I couldn't go to the grocery store. I have all sorts of stories of him. He actually ripped a hole in my shirt, biting it while we were waiting to check out at the grocery store. Mm. He mm. would take people's groceries out of their cart and throw them across the aisle. I mean, <laughs> which actually was the funnier part of all those things. But, um, and it was constant. So, so. One time, my favorite, I have two favorite stories. They're really awful. But <laughs> one was when he started, the feces part was the part where things got really bad for me. Because it was not, no one tells you that people with intellectual disabilities have this thing that they do with their mm. poop. Mm. They don't prepare you for that. and How does one prepare anybody for anything? And right? then until it happens, right? <laughs> right? And you call and they're like, yeah, that, oh, yeah, that, that happens. happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one time we were stuck in rush hour traffic on the Beltway. Couldn't get off. And he starts throwing it around the car. Mm. Mm. With his little brother so in the back So he has seat. a diaper. Right. He has and, but, you know, ideas. you reach in, you get it, and it's like, a you know, the toy you make for yourself. Wow. Yeah. And then the other time... And I know this is very over the top for people who haven't experienced it, but for people with special needs kids, it's not. It happens. But we had tried to take them trick-or-treating. Ian was maybe six. Um, And he made it maybe one house or two, and he was done. So my ex-husband took Quinn around the rest of the neighborhood, and I took Ian home, and he had a very specific bedtime ritual, right? Most kids do. So he took a bath, and then we would get ready for bed, and then I would rock him and sing to him for hours or whatever. But he had started pooping in the tub, Mm. right? So when he took a bath, (laughs) I'm going to have to sit there and watch, because as soon as I saw his abdomen start to move a certain way, I knew he was getting ready to poop, and I had to pick him up and put him on the toilet, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) So I'm sitting there watching him in the tub, and the doorbell rings, because trick-or-treaters. Now, Halloween is my favorite holiday listen it's one of my favorites i think it's right like probably my favorite and the next is thanksgiving it's so important so the doorbell rang it was trick-or-treaters so i was faced with this dilemma do i not answer the door or do i answer the door right so i decided to answer the door Mm. so i you know he wasn't going to drown in the tub um that probably <laughs> was worse than that. So I just got up and I shut the door to the bathroom and I went out. And I remember it was a princess and a bumblebee. Super cute. Parents were there. Everything was perfect. Um, they were very sweet. We chatted. It was like maybe two, three minutes tops, right? Close the door. Go back in. Open the bathroom door. Mm. No pun intended. I shit you not. <laughs> ceiling to floor he was standing in the toilet bowl what splashing jumping up and down splashing and it was all over the bathroom right 
all over the mirrors, the faucets, the walls, everything. <sighs> in like three minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> three minutes. I mean, seriously, it, it must have happened as soon as I like walked out. And then the doorbell rang again. And this is probably not my best parenting moment, but I'm being very honest. I shut the door on the bathroom and left him in the poop. Mm. And I went back to the door. Amy. Because I needed something normal. Like, I can't even tell you. It was like Halloween represented, like all these families out with their kids, having this wonderful celebration, enjoying each other. He was with his dad. He was out trick-or-treating. And... And I, like, the, the juxtaposition of what was happening inside right. my house with what was happening outside my house. Um, I just, it was that moment where I was just like, I just want Halloween. Yeah. I don't want that in there. Right. So, um, so I answered the door one more time, and then my ex-husband came home with Quinn, and I took Quinn. And my ex-husband went in and did, you know, cleaned up Ian. And then we both cleaned up the bathroom. And um, But it was like that all the time. So, so. So when people say, how dare you do that? It's like, it was, it, it still is the most gut-wrenching decision I've ever made. And it, at the time, I was the only person that didn't want it to happen. Everybody else was like, oh, yes, this is the right decision. I was the holdout. Um... But you can't you can't judge that decision until you're in that moment, right? And yes, absolutely. And so, actually, there is the 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 opposite question. And I know we're running way late on time. I'll I'll figure out what to do with this. Maybe I'll need to edit into three parts, almost certainly. But um, there is the opposite. Like as soon there are there is. There is an idea of people who either find out ahead of time that their child is going to have a challenge and or are in the moment that the child is going to have a challenge and they decide the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, immediately, as soon as I know, either abort, mm-hmm. right, or... Like I'm gonna give them up for for adoption, foster child. Right. So what? How did the, how did you come to a decision then, and how do you reconcile your decision now that like this is my child, right? Like this is my baby. Like right. I, I I I I don't know if I don't know if there was a moment that you just if was there ever a moment that you were like, gosh, I. Wish I wasn't with Ian. Yes. Was there really? Yes. Wow. There was one specific time. Um, I had reached the point. That's very honest. Thank you. Well, it was um, it was a pivotal moment, but I had reached a point where I where I was concerned about his safety with me because mm. it was we had gotten to this very very extreme place, and I called a friend of mine who actually was a teacher that had taught Ian. We're still friends. We became friends through that process, that relationship. And I called her and I said, I think I need you to come over right now. Um, I'm sort of in a crisis. And so she came over and said, what's happening? And I said, all I can think about doing is unlocking the front door and going to bed. Because if I unlock the front door, he will walk out of it. Mm. And who knows where he will end up, but I can get some sleep. 
Because I was so exhausted. I had lost my short-term memory. I had no language recall. I would be in the middle of a conversation and just be like, Whoa. What? Like, like, the impact of the sleep deprivation alone was immense. And if he walked out the front door and got hit by a car... I mean, I would. It would have killed me. Clearly, obviously. But at that place where I was, right. I just wanted it to stop. Right. right? right. Yeah. And I'm sure people who have issues with shaking baby, you know, who shake their babies, those sorts of things, it's the same. But my friends and I said, you know, I was just bawling, and I'm the most horrible mother because I just really want him to walk out the front door, and go away. And she said, No, you're not. You're a good mother because you didn't do it. Right. You called right. me, and you didn't unlock the front door. Right. You know? But absolutely. I mean, I think... And that's very real. I would real. think most uh, parents of special needs kids, especially if it's a significant disability, and even if it's not, I mean, some high-functioning kids are super aggressive. Can you say spe- special needs kids? That's, a, that's, a, that's yeah. a thing. You can say that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I think, you know, you do. You get to a point. Um, I mean, you just... You just need it to stop, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's that pivotal moment where you you find out really who you are. Do you do you act on it or do you right. call a friend? Right? So tell us about, and we're going to wrap up soon, but tell us about the facility that he's in now and the challenges that you're having. So right now, um, he, so we, so this is the same facility where he was punched in the stomach. Mm. Um, and we have had constant issues over the last, I guess he's been there three years or four years um over neglect um things like uh broken ceiling tiles his broken bed dirty clothes missing clothes someone else's feces on his floor um jesus all kinds of stuff like that in addition to injuries and the last injury that happened to not too long ago a couple months ago i guess at this point um he has as i said a 24 hour eight so he has an adult with him all the time a one-on-one. Yes. Well, one-to-one. One-to-one. So even in the shower, right, because he can't wash himself correct, you know, appropriately. So he needs help with his hair and different things. And he has a seizure disorder, so, you know, he needs to have someone with him all the time. Well, his staff person left him alone, um, went and hung out with the other staff people in the, like, living area mm. for... You know, he said about five minutes, but no one can really verify how long he left him alone. Ian was in the shower, and it's like a um, like the old-timey school showers with the, the shower spigots in the wall, you know, mm-hmm. just sort of yeah. open room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he had a seizure, and he fell, and he hit his face on the tile edge of the floor. Like, there's like a trough under the shower yeah, yeah, yeah. heads. And another staff person, not his. A different staff person. A different staff person found him seizing, bleeding, under the shower. Could have drowned. Yes, could have drowned. Or anything. And the neurologist said if he had fallen just a fraction of a different direction, it could have been a fatal fall. So he had a huge concussion, like a huge hematoma, um, a severe concussion. And all because the person who was being paid... To be with him was not there. So, God. And the county pays for that. Like, it's all paid for. Like, they sign up and say, we will provide this. So, here's the thing, right? How how does, because, when we talk about neglect, 
take the abuse out of it. Mm-hmm. When, we t- when you talk about neglect, how is anyone to know how to take care of a person with these type of needs if they're so special and so few? Does right. that, you know what they're, I'm saying? Yeah, but they're... they're I want to get that message out right, there. But they're trained, right? So they're training programs. I mean, we're talking about the people in the residential facility have to help with showers, have to help them toilet, um, have to keep them from jumping on the bed and breaking out ceiling tiles. But they're only... They're only I, that's the, 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 to my mind, the ironic part of it. They're only trained to help them survive, barely. Right. They're not trained to help them be fully functional adults or like develop them in yeah. any sort of real way, right? That's that. That's they what I'm be. really trying to ask. And they're supposed to be. Like <laughs> one of the the issues we have is that um, when Ian's not in his classroom, the residential facility or staff people are locking his iPad up in a case, in a to charge wow. like oh in a totally different room. If that if that's his voice, right. Literally, you were in the Walmart, and he was like, no. And now he like, can, but now he, he can even, tell me what he wants, and right. now he can say, I feel sick, and now he can say these different things. But if you are teaching a child to communicate, and then you take their voice away from them, you know, two-thirds of the day. Right. Right? They're not supposed... That's actually illegal. They're not supposed to do that. The staff people in the residence should be encouraging them to use, all of the students, to use their communication devices right. in... In everything that they do. But, you know, they pay less than McDonald's, mm, right? Wow. And it's really hard work. It's mind-numbing because you're working with kids that don't speak, that don't respond, that don't socialize. Um, and, and if then, I was the person who was doing that, I would imagine that it is a fairly thankless job. Oh, completely. Right? And occasionally you may say... You may get a, a nice little pat on the back from a parent who comes back to the facility to visit right. the child and say, oh, you know, he, thank you. Right. But generally, you're not getting the positive reinforcement day in and day out from the, from the, from the, from the child or adult, right? No. I mean, if you get lucky and you have a relationship with that student, sure. Like, Ian has a few that he really likes, and you right. can see their connection, right? Because they are getting some social feedback. We're human beings. We're social creatures, right? Absolutely. So when I talk to you and you nod and smile, I'm like, oh, he gets me, right? right. There's a yeah. thing here. Um, but if you're talking and working with someone who has no affect and who doesn't respond or only responds in a, in a negative way, it's hard to stay focused and positive, right? right. Especially if you're uneducated. It's you, you haven't gone to school to do this. This is not your dream career, right. right? And you're getting paid less than you could get flipping burgers. Right. Right? It's really hard. So, so we, I mean, I know we didn't touch on all of the abuses, but clearly there's quite a few issues right. of, of abuse and neglect. And I want you to at least give us some sense of um, what you'd like to see fixed. Um, and... At the end of this, now we're moving towards the end of it, what you want folks out there to know about Ian and about their own special needs children and or adults and how they can proceed. Right. Um, I think the biggest, I think the solution to the residential facilities, if we have to have them at all, which is a question. Um, there Why has is to, it a question? No, well, because I think, you know, if, if for example, the school system were to have come to us and said, you know what, we're going to give you a 24-hour round-the-clock staff. 
we're going to figure out a way so that we can educate Ian. The but public school him. system? Right. Well, okay. that's who's paying his bill right now, okay. right? Okay. So if the school system had come and said, we, we're not going to take him away from you. Your, your only option is not to send him to another state. Right. We're going to make sure that you have a staff in your home. We're going to make sure that that you're getting the support and the respite you need. We're going to make sure that he's getting an appropriate day school that can meet his needs. We're going to do all these things in the home. Right. I mean, that's what you want, right? Everyone wants to be part of their community. Absolutely. Right? But, so that was my point. But they have to change the pay structure. People have to be paid. You have to feel that your pay um, fits your work, and you have to feel valued in your job and you have to be trained and educated and supported so let me just pause you for just a quick second regular teachers public school teachers in general right. feel underpaid yes period so let's like pause there before we move on to it's like a huge problem right so that's number right. one number two when you talk about people who are teaching and or taking care of special needs children clearly they're underpaid that's number two right right I don't know what the appropriate level of compensation is for that, for that, but there must be some council committee right. forum for in order for people to figure that out. That's number two. Number three, when you talk about training them, I don't know what the training looks like because I, it, I'll say it this way. I don't know, and people who are not in the know who mm -hmm. don't have special needs children. Right almost certainly won't be in the know. So right. the people who are in the in the position to decide this, they need like an Amy Couch right. on the council, somebody who's got this kind of an, an issue right. to be like, no no no. I like the this is how you train somebody to do this. Because right. otherwise you're just grasping right. at straws. Right. You know, does that make sense? No, it does. <laughs> and I think a huge part of it is just I mean these are for the most part uneducated folks. Right. Right. Who it's a job they can get that doesn't require a college degree, mm. might not even require a high school right. diploma. Right. Um, but I think one of the big pieces to go into what people should know and also what the training would look like, these are people, right? They're kids. They're grown-ups. They matter. They want the same thing you want. They, they dream. They dream. They want to be loved. Now, the way they reciprocate that love could be different than what you expect, but they want to be loved, they want to be seen, they want to be heard, they want to be independent, right? They have dreams. Their dreams might be to stand in the woods and watch the leaves all day, but that's a dream, and it's just as important to them as, as your dream of being a CEO of a company is to you. So, this may or may not be off topic. And... Probably fairly inappropriate, actually, because <laughs> it's your son. But here's a question that most people would be afraid to ask. Who, if any, if is Ian's sexual self? Does he have a sexual uh, self? Right? He, like Because it's not emotional, right? He has a masturbatory self. Oh, is that right? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Okay, Because he's an adult or, or you know. Almost. Some, he's almost right. 18. So, yeah. But I don't, but it's not a, most people with that level of I wonder disability, about it's self-stimulatory. Okay. Right? So it feels good. Yeah. Right? And they're all about that, but it's not connected to a. Attraction to some other. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Now, a lot of people with intellectual disabilities that are not quite as significant 
are very definitely have a sexual identity. Okay. Um, in fact, I just saw um, a news article about a bunch of down uh, people with Down syndrome, drag queens with Down syndrome. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yes, absolutely, it's definitely there. <laughs> Talk about it in the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but for Ian, it's more of a self stem. Okay. Thing. Yeah. Okay. But he definitely has some, that is there part of him. It, it's absolutely a question that a lot of people would probably be afraid to ask and be like, <laughs> like, no, anyway. But I how, think it's true. I mean, right. we, we really are all the same. We're, yeah. You know, and our, so these are people. Yeah. They masturbate. Listen, <laughs> like. Right. They, you know, they want to watch TV. They want to sleep in. They get cranky. They get yeah. happy. Um, I, I think for the most part, most of them probably fall in love. I know higher functioning people do. Um, if Ian fell in love, would you be like... I would know what that would look like. It would be hard yeah. to imagine. But he loves me. Mm, no yeah. question. Right? Yeah. That's There's no ever. Uh, there's never a question about that. Um, but I think that... I mean, whether you're training staff or, you know, you're trying to talk to the community. Um, but when you see someone with a disability, you shouldn't be afraid. Right? A lot of people are scared. More of intellectual disability than physical because oh, someone, I agree with that because, I absolutely because agree it, it's that. unexpected you don't know what they're going to say you don't know what they're going to do you don't want to be offensive but you're not sure how it's going to go right so right. it's a little unnerving um but kindness goes a long way and it's really we're really all the same so rounding out the conversation first of all thank you so much I mean I oh, can't tell you. you how much I've learned <laughs> and how much I'm like, yes, yes, like, tell, <laughs> say that point, like, pause the podcast, say that shit, because it's important. Yeah. But um, I, I want to round out the conversation. And, you know, for anybody who's interested, this is my her name is Amy Couch. She is a very good friend of mine. And even better now, since we've actually spent a, 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 the last however many hours together. Right. Um, I want to round out the conversation by asking you um, or asking you to share with our audience what you'd like them to know about yourself and or being the parent of a special needs child and um, how they can How and cope is the wrong word. How they can move forward, move, touch, and inspire. Mm-hmm. You moved, touched, and inspired me today. Mm-hmm. And I think that creating a community mm-hmm. is just as important. And in our first hour, we talked about being part of a community. Right. So I think that creating a community is also just as important. So, so tell so, us. So to answer that, yes. First, um, when Ann and I are out in the community, we get a very a varied level of reactions, right? And some of them are not kind, right? Really? Oh, people stare. People look away, very uncomfortable. Um, I've had some people say rude things when he was smaller. Um, But the thing that makes the biggest impact is when... (laughs) When we walk into McDonald's, he's making very loud noises because he gets so excited because we're going to have cookies, and he's so excited. <laughs> 12 cookies, so he's making yes, yeah. all this noise. 
and I look because you know and you know you're walking in and it's like there's a spotlight and everybody turns to look yeah. but the thing that makes the biggest impact is when you look over at someone staring and they smile a kind sort of yeah you know yeah it's okay kind of thing it makes the biggest impact on parents with special needs. And kids. is it okay for us just to smile, or do we have to like really engage and be like, "Hey, Ian"? No, like, just smile. Just smile. Just smile knowingly, like I see you. Okay. And I'm happy that be you're seen. here. See me. Yes. Right. And don't judge me. Yes. Just accept me that I'm in your space. Right. Don't look at him like, "Oh, he's so loud," but sort of chuckle like, "Oh, yeah, he's excited because he's gonna have cookies." Yeah. Like, just be open you know we've had I mean I can tell you different times when we've had someone give me that smile when he's having a really hard time and they look at me sort of supportingly like knowingly I'm here yeah if you need me or someone who's walked up and said I have just been watching your interaction together and it's just beautiful and I'm just so glad I got to see this today you know and those moments are the things that create so the community yeah because if that, you don't that, feel so I separate. want you all to know that that creates the community create the community by smiling by acknowledging by seeing others and it, it makes all the difference and not just in the special needs community but in the gay community in the LGBT community or just a human being community how right? about that like Absolutely. just see people acknowledge them smile right that's, that's it. it and be kind that, <laughs> those are the things so that's one thing and then yeah. to our to our parents of children who have special needs I mean I would just you know my mantra has always been and this sort of sounds cliche, but do the best you can do every day. And sometimes that's going to suck, right? Sometimes my best is fucking Wonder Woman. Like, I'll finish the day and be like, wow. Do you fuck Wonder Woman? I do. No. no. <laughs> but I'm not telling you that. <laughs> I wish. No. Um, but, like, sometimes, you know, you have this day where you're like, man, I was amazing, right? And then the next day you try as hard as you can and you get done and you're like that was awful but if you tried the best you could try on that awful day at least you go to bed knowing I did the best I could today right and sometimes your best is going to be mediocre and sometimes it's going to be amazing but you just have to say every day today I'm going to do the best that I can do and whatever that is that's what we're going to deal with today and it helps you get through right because you're never going to be perfect Right? So you accept where you are, you do the best you can, and you wake up the next day and you do it again. Anything else you want to tell us? Um, this has been a long podcast. It's been a long podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think that's, that's it. All right. So this has been another episode of So Here's the Thing. Thank you so much, Amy, for being my uh, second guest on the podcast, and I look forward to... Uh, talking to, talking with you more and of course being your friend and anybody who wants to get in touch with Amy please contact me and um, perhaps probably almost certainly I'll have Amy again on in the future and we'll talk about uh, <laughs> all sorts what? of things right <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, tune in listen like and subscribe bye bye <laughs>